Hey, everybody, and welcome to an all-new bonus edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, interviews, previews, pay-per-views. <laughs> pay-per-views. Pay-per-views. Yeah. Actually, I guess it's not really a bonus episode. The bonus episode is coming Sunday uh, as we cover Revolution in depth. But today, we're just going to do a uh, abbreviated show. We'll do Pop of the Week. We'll cover Being the Elite. We'll cover AEW Dark. And Megan will lead us through a wonderful recap of AEW Dynamite. And then we'll quickly make our champagne bet predictions for the Revolution card. That's what everyone's here for. Yes, definitely. If Justin Shapiro is listening, that is what he is here for. <laughs> he hopes to avoid them. Come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. He hopes to avoid winning. So I guess he just has to make really bad picks. Yeah. So... Let's start with being the elite. No, let's start with the thing we start every week with, and I should know better. <laughs> I heard Shit. the gasp. Megan, what do we start with every week? Uh, I don't, it slipped my mind. Introductions? The elite beat pop of the week. Oh yeah, that. We do. <laughs> what do we have this week, uh, Jenny? Over, <clears throat> over in Columbus here. This week we have a Triton, which is the brand, and it's a Tinto... De Toro. So this is a Spanish wine. It's in it's from the Toro region, which is near the Duero River um, in Spain. And that Duero River then uh, goes into Portugal. And that's where all like the Portuguese wine is made as well. So I'll open. Oh, was that too loud? No. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? I don't know. It's been so long. I hear it on this side. Hey! You don't get that pop with the electric opener. No, you get a lot of... (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, Megan, what do you have? Sorry, I was just listening to your nice pour. Um, (laughs) Hypnotizing. It is. Uh, I am back to bourbon this week. Same same brand as I usually get, the Four Roses small batch. But it just felt like, since we're doing this on a weeknight, a bourbon night. I like that bourbon's your weeknight drink. It just feels like something, like, um, I don't it's have to knock. Yeah, it's a sipper. It's a sipper versus, like, a bottle of champagne that is, it'll go bad if you don't finish it. Well, cheers to weeknight. Indeed. All right, well, let's get right into it. Being the Elite, episode 192, Toy Fair. And uh, we start out with a big announcement that I'm pretty sure we already covered in the news section at some point in a previous episode because this was in the Wrestling Observer newsletter like a month ago. But the Young Bucks have a book coming out this year. And we got like a little trailer for it. And Matt and Nick are really bad at doing voiceover. <laughs> yeah, it was... They could have maybe done another take on this. But then they had a professional announcer guy to come in to, like, kind of spice it up. So that was cool. I'll read this book. Hopefully they don't narrate themselves on Audible. Oh, I bet they will. Oh, God. It's going to be rough. Might be. Megan, are you going to read this book? Yeah, I'll read that book. So we had a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at that action figure commercial from last week's Dynamite. As we got to see all the guys, like, see their figures for the first time. I still, I get really, like, I don't know, I get a lot of satisfaction out of this kind of stuff. Kenny's very excited about his figure and the uh, the detail work on it. The We get a Merch Freak segment where Matt turns, or uh, where Nick turns the Young Bucks bucks, which is all the currency that uh, Matt carries in his wallet, into gear because the Young Bucks had forgotten their gear. And the gear just appears on the bodies of first Matt Jackson and then Kenny Omega, and then they do a Young Bucks pose. Which, I don't know if that was supposed to be, like, something to piss off Adam Page, but it, it could have been. Probably. I think anything Matt does is to piss off Adam Page. Starts early this week. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> also, Kenny Omega's penis is enormous. There was a sock in there. Okay. I but honestly, they are mega hung. Yeah, I thought he was going to pull out the wad of young buck bucks. I just thought he had a huge wang. I think I think it was stuffed. Okay. <laughs> I think it's possible he also just has a huge wing. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, it's it's being the elite canon that Hangman does, so. And being elite canon that Kenny does as well. The DM. Oh, right. Oh, you have to go back pretty far for that. Uh, Christopher Daniels has a nightmare that he's in the Dark Order. But he's not, as far as we know. He had a Dark Order shirt on when he woke up. But then he woke up again and he was he didn't have anything on. Oh, really? So he like had a nightmare and then he had a nightmare inside the nightmare. Oh, it's like Orange Cassidy's shirt. I was going to say Inception, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Inception, too. Man, Inception messed with my mind. I still sometimes think of that about that movie and like have so many fears. It's been years since I've seen it. You fear yeah, you're trapped in a dream right now? Yeah, like I'm uncomfortable. That spinning um, the top. Coin. Top. top. That spinning top at the end. Whew. No, thank you. Nyla Rose is uh, talking to Justin Roberts. She's trying to get like a uh, a Game of Thrones esque ring introduction, but he kept just. He, I, I don't know what he he's an idiot. I guess he can't go Make- off script. Oh, okay. He's a robot. Oh, okay. Is that what it is? That's okay. why he was so susceptible to Michael Nakazawa when he was talking in his earpiece that one time. Speaking of, Nyla takes her frustrations at Justin out on Michael Nakazawa by punching him in the gut. And he says, why me? Wrong place, wrong time. Uh, we get a training montage. And it was like a training and rehab montage of Kenny Omega, who's doing shoulder rehab while cupping. And it looks so horrifying. Yeah, it looks like the cupping is such that it makes it appear that udders are coming out of his <laughs> arm. You can milk anything. Can you milk me, Greg? <laughs> it's topical. Yeah. <laughs> you really did capture the imagery, though, because it was awful to look at and I couldn't figure out why I was so horrified by it but you just explained it Matt has learned how to make good espresso yeah I thought there was going to be like a payoff for this but there wasn't I think the payoff was maybe Brandon Cutler is going to win a match against Peter Avalon at some point oh that's not much of a payoff no that's all I got out of it Kip Sabian just kind of like slipped out of there and it made me wonder if he was if he knew that they were filming when he came outside. I was confused because his pants were undone. I'm like, are they going to make a joke about this? But no, he was probably just mid-change, and they're like, get out of here, we got a segment to do. Chris think, Daniels also popped his head out and like yelled something. But. I think Kip's just thirsty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so then we head to Toy Fair in New York. Which just looks like really like a lot of fun on Instagram this week. This wasn't on BTE, but I saw uh, Derby Allen do a coffin drop into a ball pit. Yeah, so that was cool. Uh, we get a very familiar um, and Jenny, don't get upset yet. We get a very familiar uh, shot of Kenny Omega walking across a uh, metropolitan uh, <laughs> area. Uh, and it's like kind of a spoof of his uh, entrance video, or what was his entrance video up until last night. Uh, I had no idea that this was foreshadowing of them taking away his entrance video. Kenny, we voted you our best entrance in our Beaties Award. That's true. And you just slapped us in the face. That was the only good part about your entrance, that walk in Tokyo with your adorable little book bag, looking kind of sad because you missed your best friend in love. And... I just, I don't know what to do now. Slapped us in the face with your enormous penis. <sighs> anyway, the toys are awesome looking. Um, I still don't know if I like want to have them or any of them, but I, I think they look super cool. I, I'd actually be way more into like an AEW line of Funkos. They have like some Funkos though. They do, but like I, I feel like AEW is probably going to end up getting a Getting their own, you know. Yeah. And then uh, we close it out with a very emotional uh, segment with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. As Hangman actually kind of owns up to all the shit he's done. What's that? What's that, Jenny? I don't think he's done any shit. I think he's been... Then what was he apologizing for? 
And what was he saying? Was he saying sometimes it's easier to blame other people than it is to blame yourself? Right. No, I mean, he's taking accountability for what's happened, but I wouldn't call it shit. Can you get real mad? Okay. (laughs) Can you get real fired up at the end there? Anyway, what'd you you think, Megan? I liked it. I was glad to finally see this because they had this out and it didn't break them as a team, which is what I was worried would eventually happen. But I'm glad that Kenny got a chance to speak his mind instead of always being the one to, to drag them together and say, it's okay, it's okay. Adam needs to know. Yeah. yeah. We all need to get better. Yes. Yes, we do. So that was being the elite. I thought it was it was a really long episode. It was 26 minutes. The longest it's been in probably like a year. Um, but packed full of stuff. I didn't even cover all of it because a lot of it was just kind of like one-off jokes that were inconsequential. But uh, that takes us to AEW Dark from Atlanta, Georgia, the site of last week's Dynamite. We opened with Jimmy Havoc beating Marco Stunt, which was a uh, pretty random, but uh, I, it was fun because Marco takes a hell of a beating, and uh, and uh, Jimmy Havoc, you know, Jimmy Havoc, uh, I've been liking him lately. I like him when he's not doing the style of match that I hate, which is what I thought he was known for and only did. So this was good. Mm-hmm. You like him when he is not using his stable gun? Yes. When the stapler doesn't make an appearance at all, I, I like it. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Dr. Luther and uh, Mel came out onto the... Um, ramp to menace Jimmy Havoc, I guess. And then they just immediately went back. They came out there to be shot by the camera and then leave. As long as they're not interacting with Brandy, I'm fine. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that's over. Do you think they were menacing him or considering asking him to be part of their friend group now that Brandy's out? Well, did you see the dark a couple weeks ago when, when he like challenged Jimmy Havoc? Oh, yeah. I guess it was long enough ago that I forgot that's what the line was yeah i think so i think this is just follow up on that okay see since i forgot about that i figured they're all kind of weird spooky people of course they'd run together yeah yeah you shouldn't wait so long to do your follow-up that no one remembers what it's about uh dasha was back tony was happy dasha was happy happy. Yeah, yeah everyone's happy except for tony's wife poor lois oh uh, we get strong hearts, uh, which in this case was Shima and T Hawk versus the Dark Order, Stu Grayson and uh, Evil Uno. Uh, I thought this was like low key a really good match. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I love that T Hawk's gimmick is that he chops hard, so the person he spent the most time chopping and trying to chop was Evil Uno, who is all covered up. Like, why wasn't he chopping on Stu Grayson? Well, because since he has the extra powerful chop, he's doing that work against the guy who's got coverage. Okay, that makes sense. I accept this explanation. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Dark Order, get the win. Uh, Kip Sabian versus Joey Janela, falls count anywhere. Really more of a handicap match uh, with Kip and Penelope against Janela. And I thought this was awesome. Penelope's so talented. Yeah, she she did so many cool gymnastic spots including backhand spring right into a, a wall. <laughs> but uh, she did like a big dive off of uh, the ramp onto the floor, onto uh, Janela, and she took a uh, she took a press slam uh, from the ring through a table. Well, Kip took it, but yeah. Well, she took a lot of it, and yeah. neither table broke. No, the tables parted, <laughs> uh, like the Red Sea. There were two tables set up, and I think the idea was that they would break their falls, but the tables had different ideas and just... Got out of the way. <laughs> anyway, I but I thought this was super fun. This is like the kind of match that Joey Janela uh, excels in, and it wasn't like an ultra violent kind of thing with blood and gore. It was just like a lot of like wacky kind of hardcore stuff. Yeah, I really liked this one. I thought Penelope's additions to it were awesome. She's very good against all the boys, which is fun. And I like these three and their feud when I don't have to hear about what the feud's about. <laughs> like, honestly, right. 
I don't care about the storyline in this. I just think this was a good match. They all showed up. They did their thing. And I didn't have to hear about why. And that takes us to our main event of the evening. Sean Spears and Peter Avalon versus QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes. And Sean Spears is an idiot because he went back to the well as he continues to search for the perfect tag team partner. And he picked Peter Avalon, who he'd already lost with. And then he walked out on him. And then they lost. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. go back to the librarian. Brandy had a really cool spot in this match. Yeah. She finally got fed up with Leva Bates and got into the ring, took her jacket off, took her earrings off. Snatched those earrings off. Yeah. And got hands on. Yeah. And uh, Dustin looked great. Dustin always looks great. And that takes us to Dynamite. So, Megan, why don't you get us started there? All right. Dynamite is coming to us this week live from the Silverstein Eye Centers Arena in Kansas City, Missouri. What a mouthful that place is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We open with the 30-minute Iron Man match between Pac and Kenny Omega. And Kenny gets the win on this one after we go into overtime. Because by the end of the 30 minutes, it's tied one-to-one. Um, and we can go through each of the, like, pins, because there's only three total. But uh, did you have any overall thoughts on this match? Well, I thought it was, I thought it was like, excellently wrestled. But I do question why they bothered doing the overtime. Like, what, I just, I just, I didn't see what the point of that was. Yeah, I thought that taking Paul Turner out of the match would have like maybe had some consequences or something, but they just got Aubrey to show up. And then within a minute, the match was over. Yeah. The overtime didn't feel right. Like, I think they should have just kept it at a tie. I was surprised that Kenny won. And in retrospect, I guess it makes sense because he's, even though his program is a tag team program right now, he's obviously the booking priority over pack right now. So, cause he's the one who's in the headlining match on the pay-per-view. But going into it, I had predicted Pac was going to win the match. I just find the whole timing to be wrong as well. Of Like this, they've been building this for months, and all of a sudden they just decide to do this big match like a few days before the pay-per-view when Kenny's in the tag team of the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I think it just would have made more sense to drag it out past the focus of the tag team championship. Now, how, how do we feel about the Young Bucks accompanying Kenny, but not his tag team championship partner, Hangman Adam Page? They're just trying to troll Adam. There's no need for them <laughs> to be out there. They didn't help him at all. Oh, that's not true. They brought Matt him helped water. Him do the 10 count. Yeah, he pushed him back in. Uh, yeah, and then got him disqualified for it. Mm-mm. No. You didn't get a point taken away for that? No, he didn't. Oh. We were debating whether he should. I thought he should have. But they didn't. the referee decided to allow it. We did get our first disqualification in the history of elite wrestling in this match, which I thought was a clever way to do it, because you could do it and show that it's possible to have a disqualification, but it didn't actually end the match. Yeah, I think that part confused me, though, because when they didn't really cover what would happen if you got DQ'd, and... So I didn't realize that all that happened was you lost a point. I was like, oh, are they ending this match early because of the DQ? But, I mean, I'm okay with the outcome. It was just kind of confusing as far as in the context of the Iron Man. Yeah, so that was the first fall. Pack and Omega, they, they went a really long time before the, uh, they, before the first finish. 16 minutes. Wow, okay. So, six, so they went 16 of 30 mm-hmm. before the first fall. And Omega, uh, Pack got set up with, I guess, not not being able to, to pin this guy and uh, or submit him with a brutalizer and uh, smacked him with a chair to get disqualified and then blasted him a second time. Uh, but it ended up being like a smart move because after the rest period, he was able to just simply like be booted him down, just hit the black arrow and tied it up. So he gave up a fall, but got to use a chair. Yes. Yeah. And hopefully, I guess, hurt Kenny beyond just that one pinfall, the one pinfall he got right after. But 
the next one didn't come well until the overtime but the next thing big thing that happened was at about nine minutes left um they did the spot which i was very surprised kenny was willing to do considering he has a magic revolution but basically like i don't know the move andy you probably know the name but kenny landed on the outside of the ring on his back oh he like hit him with a falcon arrow off the apron yeah it looked super painful um and kenny looked in pain but this caused a doctor to come out and on his way out pack also knocked paul turner out of the ring so he knocked kenny into the doctor and paul turner and that gave him time to then go pull a table out and set it up and then also pull kenny on top of it so that he could do a shooting star press through the table and since Paul Turner didn't see any of the setup, I guess he was just cool with the outcome. That looked brutal too, because Pack actually like he didn't. I don't think he quite landed it flush, so he kind of ended up landing on his feet a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Table broke nice though. Much cleaner than in the Kip and uh, Joey Janela match. Yeah, totally. But again, so anyway, so yeah, I thought this. I think this match was just like excellently wrestled, but I don't know. The uh, the overtime seemed like unnecessary. Do you think they did it because they wanted Kenny to win, but they also wanted to give him that like hero's end to the actual match where there's about two minutes left and Pac puts the brutalizer on him multiple times and Kenny keeps like reaching the rope or refusing to tap. So he looked kind of like a hero in that sense. Yeah, I do. But I guess they decided the, the the draw wasn't enough. They needed. I wanted them to have a rubber rubber match. Yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> it's when you double bag it because you don't know where that bitch is been. Damn. That's what the special case says and can't hardly wait. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that was. That, I mean, the match was great. I, I think I still slightly favor um, last week's tag team title match with the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But this was very good. They're on quite a roll of uh, having like, great matches on Dynamite. Yeah. So after this big epic Iron Man match, Tony goes down to the stage to interview Pac. And he kind of doesn't really have a question so much as commentary. <laughs> He just like, wanted to antagonize the guy. He's just <laughs> hanging out with Britt Baker too much. It's true, because all he really... He doesn't ask a question. He just says, after everything you did to Kenny and his friends to lose this match, it's just... Uh, and Pac freaks out, because, of course, like, what else would you have to do if Tony's coming at you like that? And he starts yelling at Tony, but shortly after he starts into him, Orange Cassidy saunters out. And he removes his glasses, and it looks like something's going to happen, and then Pac just punches him in the face, and that's that. But we'll get back to it later, yeah. Um, After that, we get a quick video package previewing Revolution, uh, specifically the John Moxley-Jericho AEW World Championship match. Um, When we return, we go backstage to where Lexi Nair is attempting to have one of her first interviews that isn't destroyed. She fails. Um, (laughs) She's outside the inner circle's locker room. She knocks on the door and asks if she can talk to Jericho. Jake Hager is the one who opens the door. He has returned to his strong, silent character. So he just kind of looks at her and doesn't say anything. And then after a couple of times of her asking if she can talk to Jericho, he just shuts the door on her. Jeff Cobb was not here this week, so the role was open again. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, I thought Lexi, while she didn't get to actually interview anyone, her delivery on camera seems like it's improved a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I swear to God, WWE main roster is the only place that you go and, like, don't get better with repetition. (laughs) Yep. Good for her. So when she does eventually get to speak to people on camera, she'll probably do much better at it. And I don't know, so I'm not sure if this was the inner circle or if it was... The Painmaker Posse. Oh, my God. Yeah, I I realize that that's now uh, a thing, this episode specifically. Are they changing their name? Can they rebrand like this? 
I just think that maybe Jericho's pay-per-view persona is going to be the pain maker every time. Oh, uh, okay. That would explain it. Jenny hates it so much. I do. I believe it. Um, I like that they all have like pain maker posse track suits that we'll see later. That's like Those a fun. look pretty sharp. Yeah, fun team. Um, speaking of the pain maker posse, we have Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara against the Jurassic Express. And I did not write down who won. I think Jurassic Express won, didn't they? Did I get that wrong? Happily enough, Jungle Boy got to win with his finisher of a Hurricane Rana roll-up after uh, Darby Allen distracted Sammy Guevara and took the the tube sock full of mad balls away from him. Okay, that's why I didn't write the winner down, because I was writing that down. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Ortiz tried to pass Sammy that sock with baseballs in it to use on Jungle Boy, but Darby Allen just showed up, and the crowd went wild. Hell yeah, they did. After the match, Sammy tried to go after Darby, but was unsuccessful. And the Painmaker Posse subset here got chased away. Luchasaurus got like a really good, like, going crazy spot in this match with his kicks and Everybody sold him real big, and it was great. Uh, Dave says that this whole thing was a failure, though, because uh, Ortiz didn't get to do Tiger style. I wouldn't call the whole thing a failure, but I do think that is points against it. Yeah. I thought this was a lot of fun. It was just like a real like sprinty little uh, you know six-man tag that you kind of get with these kinds of guys. I don't know about Sammy getting pinned again, like two weeks in a row, heading into his pay-per-view match. Mm-mm. Like, Santana Ortiz aren't even on the pay-per-view. One of them could have eaten the pen. Yeah. This doesn't look good for Sammy. Mm-mm. And I don't think he's going to beat Darby on Saturday. I don't think so either. So. Maybe that's going to cause, like, a riff in the inner circle. Maybe. Maybe Dad's going to be disappointed. Could be. So what happened, Jenny? I didn't like the wine. So what did you do to remedy this? Well, I got out of Coravin and got a new bottle. So we're not going to have another pop, but... What's the Coravin? The Coravin is this really cool device. It's a wine preservation system. It is. So it uses argon, gas, and a needle. So you stick the needle in through the cork, and you push the button to get the wine to come out in a very slow drizzle. And then it pushes... When you push the button, it pushes the argon gas in to negate any bad effects of oxygen. It's pretty incredible. Yes. Whatever alcoholic thought this up is a genius. It's wonderful because (laughs) I hate second day old red wine. She she cannot handle it. You can smell the vinegar from a room away, and I hate the taste and smell of vinegar. It's true, she does. So this time I'm drinking an Il Toro, which is a Toscano Italian wine. It's better. And I will be, um, I guess, drinking a hell of a lot of uh, this Triton tonight. Have fun. Thank you. It's jammy as hell. It'll be fun to edit this drunk. The jammy flavor still in the tongue. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, fun six-man tag. Yeah, good times. So we follow this up with a quick video package uh, to highlight the MJF-Cody situation, remind us where we're at. Um, It started with MJF's betrayal and his long diatribe about how he's being held back by Cody. Then we see clips of um, him speaking the stipulations and Cody repeating them. It's actually really cool how they cut that together. Uh, And then we also see clips of Cody winning the steel cage match with Wardlow. So at this point, you should know, going into Revolution, where everybody's head is at and what has happened. Do you guys like the uh, Cody-MJF feud as much as the Cody-Jericho feud? Um, I mean, I've enjoyed it. I feel like the Cody-Jericho feud was based, especially after listening to his podcast episode, a little more in maybe, like, reality. <laughs> Yeah, cheese. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I... That was interesting, wasn't it? 
I, I was surprised. Uh, well, Cody was saying that he thought that a a that Jericho ignored the "Don't talk about my dad" in promos. That's right. Uh, thing, um, and B he says that he didn't think Cody really or Jericho really respected him as like somebody on his level until after they had like headlined a pay per view together. Oh, I missed that part. I did hear the part about his dad. I will like nothing as well as the first Dippin' Dots brawl. I mean, we got a callback to it tonight. We did, but... Dippin' Dots' Twitter account was all over it. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I much preferred that feud to the whipping, to the... Basically to the whipping. Yeah. The cage match was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I like... I like this, but I think I like Jericho Cody better. Well, I mean... Had better promos, I thought. Yeah, Jericho's always going to cut a better promo than MJF. And Jericho had... And Cody got to do that one promo where he... Um, what did he, Megan? What did he call him? He called him like um, Chris Jericho, you stupid dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like you, you were like from the same like upbringing that I had. And yes. Like, yeah, like you were. Your father was a goddamn NHL hockey player. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was great. That was a wonderful promo. Yeah. Yeah, like I think that feud had more at stake to it than this one does. I find this one fun, but it definitely felt. A little heavier that feud with Jericho. Yeah, I was just curious. No, it's a good question. Um, I don't. I think MJF does a good promo, though. I, I don't want to take that away from him. It's just he's like a sneering little boy, and Jericho is also a sneering little boy, but he's got legacy cred. So mm. he's a man. <laughs> He's 40. He's a man. <laughs> so going uh, going from that video package, we're back in the ring, and we have the best friends fighting the Butcher and the Blade. And the best friends win when Trent p- pins the Blade after he and Chuck do the strong zero. This was like a light tag match. Yeah, it was fine. It was mostly to set up uh, Orange Cassidy for... Uh... Yeah. Or something later, and uh, I think the highlight of the match was he had a standoff with the bunny. Oh, that's great. The bunny <laughs> prevented him from putting his hands in his pockets, which the crowd hated. And then she took his sunglasses and put them on. So, Jenny, what did Orange Cassidy do to retaliate? He took her bunny ears and then tried to put them on his head, but he doesn't know how a headband works. <laughs> it's true. Well, he didn't want to. He didn't want to push back his uh, hip hair, you know. <laughs> That doesn't explain why the headband, the the bottoms of it were in front of his ears. Oh, yeah, that's true. Headband should always be behind the ears. But he, uh... It's but... like he was never uh, a little girl who had to wear headbands all the time. Because so. she didn't have any hair. And her mother was sick of people asking if she was a little boy. Because her hair are was you, so blonde. Are you talking about you as a baby like a baby baby i didn't have like hair for a couple years i mean i had hair but it was like white so no one could see it so my mom would for when i was baby glue bows onto my head glue that's right and then i got a lot of headbands too goodness uh it always turns into a bit of a psychotherapy session. Uh, anyway, after, so after he put on the uh, the bunny ears, he was able to uh, dive onto the butcher, which set up the like you said, Megan, the strong zero on uh, on the blade. Yes, and then after the match, Tony getting his like steps in today uh, came down to the ring, and he announces that. Pac is going to have a match with Orange Cassidy at Revolution. And Orange Cassidy obviously doesn't have anything to say about this because he's Orange Cassidy. But Chuck steps up and he says, the joke's on you, Pac. This time he's going to try. Oh, it was great. It was the best thing I've ever seen Chuck do. I, <laughs> I was so excited because I thought, oh, he's going to say shit for sure. <laughs> And then 
Trent says, whoa, 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 we haven't talked to him about it. He might try. It's true. Trent didn't, like the... didn't want to make any promises. Right. Got to gotta keep those expectations. expectations. Exactly. Yeah. Aw. Uh, somebody should have asked Orange if he was going to try. He's right there. He did his thumbs up when they asked him if he was going to. Tony asked him if he was going to try. Yeah. Give him a thumbs up. Uh, the half thumbs up. Yeah. And, and then Tony. In the paper, paper, commercial break, uh, picture in picture, commercial break. They gave Tony Orange Cassidy sunglasses to put on. They took a, they did a best friend's hug yep. with him with the pull out and everything. And then Tony tried to do the Orange Cassidy thumbs up, but he just did a real thumbs up. It was way too, it was way too, it was, he cared way too much. Yeah. He tried. He tried. Yeah. Tony's so enthusiastic about this industry. How do you think he's going to do a half thumbs up? He is in it to win it. I just wanted to hear him and Cody talk about Star Trek for a lot longer. Me too. (laughs) Um, Chuck on Twitter last night after the show wrote, guys, I have to have permission to say the S word. (laughs) <laughs> i think jericho said the s word tonight and i doubt he got permission jericho is the one who gets to say it a lot um so i wouldn't be surprised if he did get permission actually because of that because i think they get one per week oh they always burn it on him poor chuck just give him his moment damn it yeah so after this match we go to a four-way match with Yuka Sakazaki, Big Swole, Shanna, and Hikaru Shida. And Hikaru Shida wins this over everyone else by pinning Big Swole. And it was good to see Hikaru Shida. I feel like it's been a while since we've actually seen her in action. Good to see her in a dynamite match. Good to see her winning a dynamite match. Yes. Agreed. I've never seen the crowd so into a women's match. People were loving Yuka. Yuka Sakazaki was the crowd favorite tonight for sure. Fan favorite. That's right. (laughs) It's not a real thing. Maybe now you can be fan favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was something when I watched Total Divas season one. I thought that was like an award that WWE gave out. (laughs) They talked about it so much. Yeah. But you're right. Yuka... Yuka was the fan favorite. Um, And I liked that at the beginning when she walked out, Excalibur was faced with explaining to Tony what a magical girl was. (laughs) And I don't know that he succeeded, honestly. I don't think he did. Oh, well. (laughs) He sure tried. He tried to bridge the generation gap. I thought this match was good. Uh, I think Swole's not quite ready for prime time. Mm -hmm. But... Everybody else looked pretty good, and I think that their women's division has come a long way, at least as far as making stars. Like, there at least are a lot of people who the crowd is into now. Yeah, and I think that Hikaru Shida needs the credit for that, because she's the one who really, I think, has turned the women's division around. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I guess, you know, I, I I don't disagree with you, but I just hadn't thought about it. Is um is Big Swole the greenest person in this match? I think so, yeah. Okay. Cause I've I've always thought like she's very talented and obviously very athletic and strong, but she she is the one who seems like she's always trying to time things correctly and sometimes ends up waiting. Yeah. Uh, Took her so, a couple of tries to hit the Dirty dancing, and I don't think it's because it was planned that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I noticed the same thing, Megan. I always feel like she's got some timing issues, but she's got a ton of charisma and she's so athletic. I think, you know, give her another year and she's going to be great. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Cody is obviously super high on her, so I'm yeah. sure she's going to get a chance to learn and grow. Uh, Taz had a weird commentary moment during this match. So they're doing a schoolboy roll-up, and 
Taz was like, oh, they should call it a schoolgirl roll-up. And then he kind of backtracked a little bit because he realized there were two Japanese women in the ring. <laughs> Felt a little... I don't know. I think that's on him if he has those associations with it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, schoolgirls are a thing that are just, you know, not like a... They're just a thing outside of other associations you might yeah. have with them. It's not our fault if you sexualize schoolgirls. It's true. Taz. And all of the promo pictures that B. Priestley and Riho put out on social media. Gravure. <laughs> um, Taz also said... In the last match, I wrote it down, but couldn't find a good way to work it into the conversation because it's super weird. Um, he said when they were chopping each other, eh, that's a good way to swell up an areola yeah. for the guys. And oh I was my like, God, that's right. What? Yeah. He's right. Men have areola too, Megan. And Trent has rather large areolas. Well, he can swell them up by getting chopped. Maybe that's why they look so large. <laughs> I was just like... That's an interesting observation, I guess. Cool, Maybe Taz. he just chops himself in the back to swell up his areolas before he comes out on stage. It's like, it's like getting your pump on with, like your, with your arms, yeah. <laughs> Get your oh, areolas man. nice and vascular. <laughs> oh, sounds horrifying. Yeah. Oh, okay, so to recover from that... I'm going to just go on to the next thing, which was a quick, super quick video of the Dark Order boys, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. And I think the Clean Beavers were there, but they're not really relevant to this one. Um, Evil Uno says that he and Stu Grayson will be defeating SEU at Revolution. And at this point, Christopher Daniels will find out that he is obsolete. And that was it. Just a quick reminder that they're going to be on Revolution. For those who may not know, obsolete is a uh, common broken Matt Hardy term. It is. Yeah. He did say that the uh, Exalted One was here. Oh, man. I mean, Matt's contract expires March 1st. So he shouldn't be able to show up at Revolution, but he he should be free and clear by next Dynamite. He should be the first one to like break co- contract and just see if they come after him. <laughs> by maybe, one day maybe if they just stay on the air until midnight he can pop out at the end <laughs> yeah terms are over <laughs> or Matt Hardy says fuck it and just shows up and is like come at me WWE YOLO baby it's true He's yeah. he's got money I think he's got WWE money he can he's defend this yeah I'm excited for Matt Hardy I'm getting more excited by the week is it a lock at this point? No. I don't believe anything's a lock after Murray's girl. <laughs> <sighs> That's painful. But if we want to talk painful, I think we've gotten to the segment where there's an interview with JR talking to the elite. And um, I can already hear Jenny's feelings on this. She hasn't even said anything, but it's like I can sense them. Um, so I don't... How... Jenny? Jenny, what what were your thoughts on this interview? What did you take from this? Like, what did you think the end message was? I mean, Matt just really started off, like, <laughs> very accusatory. What the fuck? Okay, listen. <laughs> no! I want to ask you... I want to ask you a more specific question, if that's okay, Megan. Yeah, that's fine. What did you think when Kenny stated to JR that their tag title win was an accident? That's such bullshit. Like, Because I think that's what set everything off. Well, yeah. I mean, you and Adam have worked so hard for this. And yeah, maybe it was kismet of you guys coming together as a tag team and actually like the stars of lining and everything uh, – working out well but you worked so hard for it don't i don't know don't say like oh this was an accident and oh every time i'm out in the ring in a tag team match i'm just thinking about the young bucks and like thinking what would they do like a what would yb do 
uh, YBD. YBD. Okay. I think... Like, take some credit for yourself. And if you're not going to take credit for yourself, at least give credit to your partner. Here's the thing. I don't think he said it was an accident, though. I think what he said was that part of how they ended up with the tag team titles was that it was the right place and time. Which isn't unfair to say, because, you know, like, circumstances being as they are, place and time matters a lot. I don't think he was discrediting their win. I think he was saying that they got the opportunity and they took it, you know? Like, because if they didn't have the opportunity, no matter how good, they wouldn't be champs. I just feel like he wasn't saying it was an accident, we lucked into it, no skill, Um, this isn't Mario Party. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I so I don't I, I don't think he was saying that either. I think he was saying it was like it was happenstance. But I think it could easily have been interpreted, and it was interpreted by Adam as, "Hey, we didn't work for this. We were just gifted it, and we don't deserve to have it. And the young bucks are going to take it because they're better than us." I thought it was a mistake for him to say that, like. Like, basically, like, this is our chance to be, like, the Young Bucks. Yeah. Because Adam Page rolled his eyes in, like, a very aggressive manner. the Adam Page eye roll because I turned to Andy and I rolled my (laughs) eyes at the exact same time. So then we had to rewind to see the Adam Page. It's true. It's like you were both looking outside at the moon at the same time. (laughs) Connected. Is that an American Tale thing? We think so. Okay. So, um, what's even more fun is the, that JR then followed that up with just straight up being like, Adam, why are you uncomfortable? You seem uncomfortable. Jim Ross and- is so good in this role. This is all he should be doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, his- Nick was the one who was shaking his foot the whole time. Now, no. how do you feel about that? Because you always blame everything on Matt. But I think Nick said some choice words in this interview that you I think he, just at the very end I think everyone had had enough of the interview at the very end but Matt was really like pushing the buttons Matt to get to the end JR asked like essentially what's it going to be like facing off against your friends for this title and Matt says like they're our friends but we're going to be competitive we want those titles and at the end they're all still the elite and that sets Adam off he is over it. He starts like raising his voice and saying how he wanted to leave the elite long ago and they wouldn't let him go. And he doesn't really care about the elite. And then Matt and Nick jump in and say they brought him in. And basically they're like, you're here because of us. And specifically say he was a jobber in ROH that they yeah. saved, which I thought was amazing. Yeah. We, we we brought you on our TV program, our YouTube channel. We made you famous. We got you this job. Like, fuck off, Young Bucks. Kenny's face during this whole thing, like, I was like, that's my mood, guy. You you can't. He just looks like he wants to die, but also then he's just like, I'm here. I'm stuck. I cannot go. Uh, and I, he just is letting everything happen. Matt and Nick are attacking Adam. Adam gets mad and so he looks down at his drink and he's like I need a refill anyway and he walks away and that is the end of the interview it's tough tough but it was an awesome segment I think that the Bucks are going to lose on Saturday and they are not going to take it well and turn heel because they're already heelish Okay, like not probably not on. Not Saturday, on Revolution, but, but I I would see it over the next few weeks. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I mean, they said some very heel things tonight. I mean, saying that Adam hasn't earned anything that they brought him on their television show, they made him famous, they brought him into the Bullet Club, they brought him into AEW, like. <sighs> yeah. Hon- I agree. Honestly, now that Nick is also saying those things, I'm. I'm with you. Guess what to see Saturday. Very exciting stuff. Yeah. In less exciting stuff, there's a weigh-in. 
They wanted so badly to be UFC. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. I enjoyed it. I I was fine with it. Um, I think in this context, I'm like, do we really need the bikini girls? Because like, yes, I Megan, get it. Yes, like I get what you're going for, but it, they added nothing, and they were so much more blatant than any other usage of women that has happened before. I just thought that was stupid. And they just kept getting in the way of the shot. Like John kept standing in front of them, and so they had to like move to, you know, be seen. Yeah, it ugh. Bad move, AEW. Bad move. Yeah. That was, like, the one part where I just... I, I was having fun with the rest of it, but I'm like, god damn it. Really? Really? Um, in addition to the Bikini Girls, we also have Gary Michael Capetta brought in. Um, and I don't know a ton about him, but he is apparently a 40-something-year-long ring announcer. Um and I think he had ties to WCW because Jericho does insult him about it at one point. He looks hurt. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah, he was just like a very famous at the time ring announcer, uh, primarily for WCW. Okay, so he calls down John Moxley first, and then he calls down Jericho, and Jericho. <laughs> John Moxley just like walks in looking like a like a hobo who wants to box, um, or like a guy that just got done at the gym. But Jericho, he has the painmaker posse decked out in their tracksuits, and they do like a weird like train down to the ring from the stage. Um, it was the Gracie train that the uh, Gracie family used to do in the early UFCs. Okay. I figured it was some sort of UFC reference, but I didn't get it. Um, But they are embracing this aesthetic. They're here for it. So we get in the ring. Um, Poor Gary Capetta tries to get Jericho to get on the scale first, which as a champion, I wouldn't think he would, but he was really mean about telling him that he wasn't going to. So Moxley gets on the scale. He does his way in like normal. Um, 234 pounds, corn-fed Midwesterner. And then Jericho just, like, wastes time and stalls and doesn't get on the ramp or on the scale. He, like, takes his time taking his jacket off, and then he has to take his little scarf off, and he just clearly doesn't want to get on this weigh-in thing. And finally, uh, Moxley says something to him. He gets in his face, and then Moxley headbutts him, And this draws blood right across the bridge of the nose. Eight stitches. Are you serious? Eight stitches. Uh, But it wasn't real, right? No, it it? was real. I mean, he got eight stitches. Like he was real. He headbutted the bridge of his nose and split him open. (gasps) That eye patch got him. Oh, so it was an accident, though, right? Like. I don't know. I mean, I think it might have been one of those fortuitous juice situations. Okay. Wow. Well, Jericho, I thought he just, like, bladed in an, in a moment of the camera being off him. Because he he moved around and he seemed okay. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think he was, but it's just, you know, he got cut. Ugh. Okay. Well, that sucks. Uh, but this... Causes the inner circle to attack. Um, They go after Moxley. Dustin Rhodes runs out to make the save. And in doing so, takes Jake Hager out into the concourse where the famous Dipping Dots truck is. And they just just fight until Hager starts slamming uh, Dustin's head into the Dippin' Dots thing. Sorry, Dustin. Um, Darby runs out with his skateboard and he goes after Sammy, but Sammy actually does a kind of a cool block and he breaks the skateboard in half and then he picks it up and tries to use it on Darby. So he kind of wins that. Um, Jericho and Moxley fight for a little bit and ultimately Jericho knocks him out by doing uh, the Judas effect and was it one of the other inner circle guys did something. But basically the inner circle came out ahead in every encounter they had with all of their like singular enemies so that's i mean i guess they're living the life right now they came out on top and that is how the show ended 
Yeah, Sammy get revenge. Yeah. I like that that skateboard was clearly pre-cut. <laughs> you know, he didn't skate out on it, so you knew. Yeah. yeah, he definitely just ran with it in his hand. It's like, Darby, you could get down there so much faster if you utilize the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought another strong episode of Dynamite. Uh, maybe not quite as epic as last week's, but I, you know, an effective go-home show for the pay-per-view and uh, I'm very much looking forward to Revolution uh, two nights from now, actually. Actually, it'll be starting in uh, 48 hours and 10 minutes from as we speak right now. And in that, uh, in that spirit, why don't we make some predictions? How do you guys feel about that? Champagne bad time! That's right. The, uh, the rules of this uh, eight-match prediction contest, and of course, whoever gets the most right... Uh, we'll get a bottle of champagne. Woohoo! So let's start. Uh, and everyone wins in a champagne bet because we all share it. That's right. All right, our first match is SCU versus Dark Order. Megan, your pick. SCU or disqualification. That's not how this works. Damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> SCU. Okay. Jenny. We'll go Dark Order. And I will also go with the Dark Order on this one. Okay. Pack versus Orange Cassidy. Jenny, let's start with you this time. Oh. This is a one or the other kind of situation here. I want to win the champagne. Okay, I understand. Why don't you go first? Uh, Pack's going to win this match. Megan, why don't you take a, take a shot at it? You know what? The hell with it. Orange Cassidy is going to do this. He's going to try. I mean, he, yeah. Well, if he tries, then I think he's got a shot. But yeah. And uh, Jenny. I'll go pack. I want Orange to win, though. You don't believe he's going to win. I don't. And you won the win in the bet. I do. <sighs> okay. Darby Allen or Sammy Guevara. Jenny, why don't you go first? Darby. I will go second. I will also pick Darby Allen. And Megan. Third for Darby. All right. We've all got Darby Allen there. Megan, Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander for the AEW Women's Championship. I think Nyla retains. Me too. Me three. Oh, no. We've got to swap some of these up. (laughs) Well, it doesn't matter because I'm champagne, but everybody wins, so... Even if we all go to a draw. Hey, I'm voting with my heart here. I picked different from you in the first two. Uh huh. All right. Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes. Let's start with me. I will pick uh I'll pick Jake Hager. I'll go with Dustin. I'll go with Dustin. As much as I hate to, I'm gonna pick Jake Hager. Megan selects Jake Hager, her favorite wrestler. I think he's got to win his first outing with all the buildup. That's what I think, too. Yeah, you're right. Should I switch? Well, you can do whatever you want. I just don't want us all to have the same bets. Yeah. No, we still got three matches to go. Do you want to switch? I'm going to go with the Big Hurt, who clearly stole his nickname from the testosterone guy. Okay. So we all have the same answers on three matches so far. So we can just, like, erase those pretty much. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Jenny, you were going to go first on this one, because I think it's important that you do. Mega Hung versus the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Mega Hung all the way? Megan. I'm going to pick the Young Bucks. Okay. And I will go Megahung. Cody versus MJF. Cody. Okay. I'm going MJF. What? And Megan, what's your pick? Mm, I'm picking with my heart. Cody. (laughs) And finally, our main event for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, Chris Jericho versus John Moxley. Megan, I want you to go first on this one because you have the 
the most invested emotionally. And because I I claim and I will stick to the fact that I'm picking with my heart, John Moxley. Jenny, is it time for Le Champion to be dethroned? Uh, I I don't think he's going to get dethroned until Double or Nothing. Okay. So you're picking Jericho? I think I'll go with Jericho. I am. This this is honestly the one I am most torn on on the entire card. Um, I could see a lot of these matches going either way, but like none more than this one. But I am going to stick with Chris Jericho. Okay. I just don't know. So I don't think it'll. Uh, I feel like they've just switched all of the other titles. Yeah. That. I feel like it'd be weird if they switch this one as well. Sure. I, I think it makes more sense to switch it to double or nothing, but who would be the champion then? Because Cody can't oh, do like it yet. Oh, like who would be challenging for the title? Yeah, I mean, they can't make the Moxley feud happen for six months. Kenny's mixed up in tag team stuff, and Cody can't challenge. Darby Allen. Darby Allen's not ready to be the champion. <laughs> He, he will be challenge. one day. Yeah, he, he can, can still challenge. challenge. Also, Jericho. Well, I think it'll. I think it'll change in Double or Nothing. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Jericho didn't book any tour dates on the Wednesdays. That's true. Right. Mm. Well, we've got our picks. We'll let you know on our next episode, our bonus episode, our Revolution recap. Who got the win? And hopefully, be drinking it. Uh, as we record that day. Thank you both for you know joining me here on this abbreviated edition of Elite Beat. And thanks everybody for listening. For Jenny and for Megan, I'm Andy. And this has been the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat, E, E, Elite Beat. <laughs>